Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. Good morning. It's awesome to see you guys here at Freedom Church today. Thank you for coming. Uh, We're so excited about what God is doing and what God is going to do leading up through this week and and all the different things that's exciting about Easter. I don't know about you, but I still just, I'm like it is when I was a little kid and I'd get to go to church on Easter and you get to see everybody and, and get to see the great things that God does. It's just exciting. So I'm so glad you're here today to kick off Holy Week. And so today, if you're brand new here, thank you for coming. The building did not fall in. You did not need a hard hat, okay? You're good. So we're so thankful that you're here. And, uh, and maybe you're thinking, man, I, I'm, I, don't, I can't hardly fit in with these people too much, you know. Listen, you look down the row, the people next to you, they've outsend you 10 to 1. Good chance of it, okay? So don't, just don't think that they're all that just because they smile at you that they got it all together. We're all broken people in need of Jesus. Are you with me today? Just give me, give me praise today, church. So, with that being said, today, um, I don't know about you, but a lot of times, especially the last couple of years, everything we've been in, I've just, we, did, we get so enamored with all the things that's going on. We get so, uh, so down a lot of times. We hear a lot of bad news. How many of you here are like me? You just kind of get sick and tired of hearing bad news. Raise your hand. That's all of us, isn't it? I mean, we're all on the same scale with that. And we hear it all the time, you know. And, and the thing about it is, bad news a lot of times, uh, whether we hear it globally or it's something personally, especially personally, it hits us. And, and what we end up happening in our lives a lot of times, the bad news is really bad on us because the fact that it causes these obstacles that hits us in our life. You say, what do you mean obstacles, Pastor? Well, you know, it's just like things that maybe happen to you relationally. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, maybe there's something to where that you kind of bounced around relationships. You're hoping you're going to bounce back in a relationship, whether it be someone that you're dating or whether it be a situation with a friend or someone in your family, or, or maybe it's a situation where that you get bad news and that obstacle is your financial situation. Maybe your finances to where that you work very hard to overcome those things, but it seems like there's a whole lot more uh, bills than there are money to pay, and you just wonder how things are going to go. Or, or maybe it's your own insecurities. That's an obstacle in your life. And, and sometimes something happens and you receive some bad news and you get more insecure. Or maybe the bad news is something because of something you did years ago and you're living in regret or, or some kind of hardship. And it just seems like we can't get over that when we hear the bad news or bad news happens to us. Sometimes bad news is something from years ago or something sudden in shock. But those obstacles gets in our way. But man, when it comes to good news, it just doesn't seem sometimes to get the press as bad news. Are you with me? You agree with that? Seems like bad news seems to flourish more than good news. But today, I want to talk about the good news. And I, and that, but when you think about <clears throat> some of the obstacles when it comes to the good news, though, this is what I want to share. When I'm talking about the good news, I'm talking about the good news that Jesus came, lived, died, and rose again for me and for you. That's the greatest good news. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. But another obstacle a lot of times we hit is what I call spiritual obstacles. You say, what do you mean? When it comes to spiritual obstacles, we find a way to just kind of navigate in a direction of least resistance. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? How many of you would be honest and say that sometimes we feel inadequate when it comes to spiritual stuff? I'll be the first to raise my hand. 
You say, what do you mean? Well, when it comes to spiritual stuff, sometimes we don't feel like that we could really share that news. We, we're very quick to share bad news, aren't we? I mean, let's be honest. Not that you're trying to gossip, but something bad happens. You let somebody know about it, whether it's something that's going to affect them or their life or something happened globally, whether it's Ukraine or it's something to do in our nation or something to do with gas prices, bad news, whatever it is. But when it comes to good news spreading along, it seems to be at a slower pace. It's really slow when it comes to sharing spiritually the good news. And what I mean by that is maybe there's someone that you see in life and you avoid them or you think, man, you know, when it comes to the spiritual stuff and sharing that good news about Jesus, somebody else can do it. I'm just not qualified. I don't feel like I've got the right thing to say. I don't even know how to say that thing Roman road or all those kind of things or maybe later. Well, today I hope you'll learn something that, as I have from the story we're going to look at. And those of you uh, that brought your Bibles, you can turn to John's Gospel, chapter 4. Or you can turn in your Bible, you can turn on your Bible, uh, or you can download our app. And I have the notes there. But there was a situation where that in John 3, Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, which was a Pharisee, because he noticed something about Jesus that was different. You know, he came to Jesus at night, Nicodemus did. That's where uh, they got the, the show sitcom, Nick at Night. You know what I'm talking about. But anyway, um, they stole it from the Bible. But um, he tells them about being born again and, and talks to them about you're born once physical, then you're born spiritual. And then uh, the disciples, they get all... Uh, messed up about because John the Baptist disciples is hearing about Jesus baptizing, even though Jesus said he, w- he wasn't even baptizing. They're getting a little jelly about that. And, and next thing you know, um, he's beginning to help them, John the Baptist is, through the rest of John 3. Well, then um, G- Jesus decides it's time to leave Judea and head to Samaria. And he had been a part of the baptisms. He had done things. He was going to have to go through an area that most people that are Jews, Jews just did not go through Samaria. So when you're going to leave the, the south and you're going to go to the north, to Galilee, you would go around Samaria. You would not go through Samaria. And we'll get to that a little bit later. But um, it says here that Jesus in verse 4 had to go through, had to go through Samaria on the way. Jews always avoided Samaria. Imagine the disciples There's no telling how many times they would remind Jesus, Jesus, we need to avoid going through Samaria. But here's what I love when you think on a higher plane about Jesus. Jesus never goes out of his way to avoid anybody because that's Jesus. He goes out of his way to meet someone, and that's what we're going to see in this wonderful story. How many of you here are like me, and I'm going to throw myself under the bus with tire tracks across my head, how many of you are like me? You went out of your way to avoid somebody. Wow, we need help, all of us. That's too many hands. Wow. Jesus had to go to Samaria because he sensed and knew that someone needed him. So many people are in need, but their need is not our focus. It's not our focus. It's about me and my four. I'm not really worried about it anymore at the moment. It's about me. And so we go out of our way to avoid being even in contact with people sometimes. And we see them coming. We'll go the other way. We see them coming down an aisle. We'll dodge them. I don't have time today. I don't have time. Man, they talk so much. I don't want to talk to them. They'll talk your head off. I'll need Tylenol. Or we think, wow, man, these people right here, they get on my nerves or I'll catch them later. 
I'll do it another time. I don't, I don't know enough spiritually, man. They're going to ask me, you know, about my church. And we just excuse after excuse after excuse. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't make excuses when I needed him at my greatest hour. So I want you to think in that measure. He looks beyond our faults. He looks beyond the things that disturb him about us. Whether we talk too much or we get on his nerves or we're the ones that he doesn't say, I don't have time. You see, the biggest obstacle that we face in sharing our faith is ourselves. It's us. It's us. He goes on to say in John's gospel here, verse 5, beginning there, it says, Eventually he came to Samaria, to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. See, normally they would go to the well in the morning or the evening. But this woman came at noontime, which was very odd, very different. Jesus is already at the well of our need as he was here at the well of her need. And the thing about it is, is that when we get to difficult places in our lives, like this woman, you'll find out is at a difficult place. Jesus is already there. Isn't that amazing? He knows the difficulty we're going to be at, and he's already there when we get there. That's where he was with this woman. I, I'm always there for you, but now that I'm always realized I'm always there for you, but can you be there for me? Now we go to church and we pray, we read the Bible. You get in a Bible study or a connection group, or those things are really about me and you. You know, that's what we're getting out of that. But here's where I'm going to. Once Jesus transforms you and I, he transforms our heart. He forgives us for our sin. The peace, the passion, the joy enters in. Then he wants to use us to be transforming agents for other people to receive what we've already got. And we don't make a difference when things are easy. I know that. We make a difference when we push through the obstacles that we think that we're not qualified Jesus will always call those that are faithful, not those that are qualified. And that's what he wants to do in our lives. And so don't get swallowed up by the obstacles of thinking that you're not qualified. He always qualifies us. I want to challenge you today to rise to the opportunity because here's where we're at. Turning obstacles into opportunities, especially the spiritual ones when you've been given the transforming power of Jesus Christ. See, obstacles are opportunities always in disguise. Obstacles are always opportunities in disguise. And when the Holy Spirit hits you and you know you need to speak a word for him and you don't do it, you're rebelling against the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life. I want you to know the Holy Spirit is the power, the leading force in our lives. If we will follow, man, things will work out better than what you could ever imagine. John Four here, beginning in verse 8, it says, He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for the Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. 
She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Matter of fact, to put it plainly, she was shocked out of her mind that a Jew, not to mention a rabbi, would ask her for a drink. Most Jews had rather die of thirst than to ask a Samaritan for a drink. Understand that Jesus is no respecter of persons. Jesus is not concerned with your ethnicity. He's not concerned of who your parents are. He's not concerned about what part of town that you live in. He's not concerned about what your job is. He's not concerned about the status in your community. He's not concerned with what car you drive. He's not concerned with what home you live in or what zip code you have. He's not concerned whether your home is a cottage or a mansion. Jesus loves us. He cares for us because of who you are. You're made in his likeness. You're made in his image. And I want to tell you, no matter what your parents have said about you, no matter what anybody said about you, no matter what's taking place in your life, Jesus loves you who you are for who you are, and he made you to be in the steps he ordered for you to live out in your life. You've got to own that because it's truth. Jesus doesn't care about our social ladder. But boy, our social ladder is a big deal today, isn't it? It's sad. He humbled himself to become our friend in our greatest time of need. He came to make contact with the lost and the least. And that's Jesus. And that's what he's doing here. The only criteria is, that you're, is your own need. Realizing your need for Jesus. He comes to those who need him. And if you do, I promise you, he will already be there waiting for you. See, he's in your future just waiting for you to get there. He'll, he's already there. Some of us need Jesus maybe in this room or you're watching online today. You need Jesus and you don't even realize it. But he's there in the midst of our confusion. He's there in the midst of our doubts. He's there in our darkest moments to light the way for you and me. The good news is for everyone. So we've got to be prepared to share the good news ourselves that has been shared with us at any place at any time. That's what I'm trying to challenge you about. So many times what we do when we get in our cars and we go back into our lives out here, we don't think anything about sharing our faith. And someone is in desperate need of what you already have in your heart. Someone needs that. Don't be selfish with salvation. Listen to me again. Do not be selfish with salvation. It cost heaven and, and all of everything its best, and it was Jesus. So today, he goes on in verse 10. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you, the living, I would give you living water. If, if she only knew what Jesus was offering her, she would have asked him. She's thinking in her mind, he's coming to get physical water. What Jesus is offering is eternal water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides... Do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? See, Jesus didn't need a bucket to dip down into the worldly wells of life. He is the source of water that comes from above. And the waters of the blessings that Jesus could give this woman come from above. Not from the bottom of Jacob's well. Excuse me. 
Let me say this to you. Never limit what Jesus can do in any life. See, we get on the scales of our socioeconomic ways and we look out into life and we look at people's experiences, we look at things that they've done, and we end up sizing people up. Some people limit their own blessings because they think the well is too deep for Jesus and and they might miss out on what God has in store for them. They think he just can't do anything with their lives. And the things that really count always know always come from above. I want you to know that. And the things like love and mercy and peace and joy and grace and forgiveness, all that comes from above. It comes from our Savior, Jesus Christ. And some people, they fall into the same trap as this this woman did in this story. They're looking down, not realizing what they need comes from above. It's where it comes from for all of our lives. And so I want to ask you, are you settling for less than God intends for your life? Are you settling for less than God intends for? for your life we also project those attitudes on other people you say what do you mean pastor god can't do anything with them man look at their family i mean look at his daddy and look at his granddaddy we they're all like that you know they're either they're a bunch of drunks or they're a bunch of addicts or they can't hold down a job they've always been that way they're never going to change wow do we so suddenly pick up the judgmental mantle and hold it against someone jesus replied anyone anyone say anyone anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again but who but those who drink the water i give will never be thirsty again it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them giving them eternal life See, Jesus is letting her know that the waters of this life will never satisfy you. And he tells her the value of what living water truly is. And we ask often for things, I do, and you do too, for things that are temporary and things that are going to fade and things that are going to rust and things that are going to go away. But Jesus wants to give us something that will last forever. That's why it's so important and it's paramount that we as a church understand that the time is now. Say the time is now. The time is now. It's now that we realize that we have eternity in our hearts when we're Christians and other people need eternity in their hearts to escape a devil's hell and have heaven as their home and have a great life right now. I don't know about you, but I want to live the life now and for eternity. And there's a lot of people I want to take with me. Does it ever keep you up at night? That people need eternity, people need Jesus Do you ever become so broken that you skip a meal or two to be able to fast and pray for somebody that needs Jesus in their life? They need his love. They need his forgiveness. They need his hope. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. See, she wanted the water. She still is not getting it. She wanted the water to make her life easier, not to have to come to the well. See, Jesus can give us more than what we could ever ask for. That's what I want us to grab, and I want us to own it, and I want us to understand that life is about knowing that Jesus can give you more than what you can ever ask him for. He'll bless you beyond what your mind can ever comprehend. But Jesus wants to give us so much. He knows what's best for us. Now check out this next part where it gets really real. He says, go get your husband. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. 
I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. When the woman discovered Jesus knew all about her personal and private life, what she does at that moment, she begins to change the subject. See, that's what happens a lot of times. People don't want to talk about what's real and what's going on in their life. They don't want to face up to the things that they've dealt with. They don't want to face up to the regrets. They don't want to face up the things that has hurt them. They don't want to face the pain. Let me tell you something, church. If there's no conviction, there's no conversion. See, we don't talk much about conviction any longer in the church because people don't want to deal. It just wants to do everything we can do to, to keep it on the upbeat, and there will not be any conversion without conviction. Now, when you read this story, this is what's amazing to me. When you read this story, you would think that this woman here was a very promiscuous woman. She went from man to man, sleeping around. However, Jesus said that she had had five husbands now in this day and time understand different than our day in this day and time in jewish culture a woman could not divorce a man only a man could divorce a woman everybody understand what i'm saying say yes so what this means is it's meant that she had had five men who had put her out according to this story we do not know the details of this but for some reason she had been rejected by five men I want you to remember something. Listen to me closely. Constant rejection re will breed hopelessness. Did you hear what I said, church? Constant rejection will breed hopelessness in, in people's lives. And no wonder she came to the well at new time because the woman was probably gossiped about. She was ridiculed. She was isolated. She had no self-esteem. She was full of insecurities in her life. And she needed Jesus. We don't know everyone's secrets like Jesus does. Think how many broken, lonely, rejected, hurting, pain-stricken people do you and I encounter daily who need Jesus in their lives? How many? Countless that we, we come in contact with. And after you're rejected time and time and time again, hopelessness is birthed in the human spirit. Are we Are we guilty holistically? Are we guilty of being too busy to care? God help us. God help us. You and I are cross, that are cross followers have the living water of hope. And, and sometimes you get the, the, the nudge from the Holy Spirit. But when you get the nudge, if you're not careful, the enemy seeps in to get you to judge. To lay your eyes of judgment on the one he's trying to nudge you to be able to speak into their life. And, and so once again, you never look down on anyone. Only God sits that high. Besides judging them. Judging them will take place of loving them. How many of you are so glad that somebody loves you? Raise your hand. Especially our Lord. 
Then the conversation here and this story begins to center on where and how to worship God. And the Samaritans, of course, and I don't have time to go into the details of that, the how that they worship in a different place from the Jews. And so Jesus told her that the, that the time was coming when it would be immaterial where God would be worshiped at. He goes on to say, in beginning with verse 24, For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone. At that moment, her life was radically changed. And you know what happens to someone whose life is changed? They're going to go and tell somebody about how their life was changed. See, lives are being changed right before our eyes. Each week we're seeing people that are lost come to salvation in our church family. I hear stories all the time of how that there's prayer, a breakthrough, and how God is doing amazing things in people's lives personally and with their physical health and all these great things that God is doing because there's water at the well with Jesus. When you come to Jesus and you get the truth, eternal living water. You're able to get forgiveness and you're able to get peace and, and comfort and healing and grace and mercy. The waters of joy and the waters of a new life in Jesus Christ. It don't get any better than that. We need to be excited about it. <laughs> Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? I believe she knew already that he was. So the people came streaming from the village to see him. See, she was going and telling everybody. And you know what? She's telling everybody because she can't contain what's happened in her heart and her life. And now she's saying, come and see. And that's our opportunity for you and I as well. We don't tell you all these things that we want to do like invite cards and mail outs and, and doing crazy things that we do. Like we want to go, man, you mean you'd actually skip a meal for somebody's salvation? Absolutely. I want to fast. I want to pray. I want people to discover the Jesus that changed my life that turned a dope dealer into a hope dealer. That's what I want for the people of this community. They're moving in from everywhere. There's people everywhere. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people who need Jesus. And if we're not careful, we'll sit on our laurels and we'll be happy about our salvation and we'll become selfish Christians. I don't want to be, I want to be like her. I want to be going and telling people. Now imagine this woman of Samaria. She went back home to her boyfriend. Where's the water at, baby? Sent you a long time ago. Woman, you, you don't even have the water pot. Where's our water pot? You know, that wasn't cheap. It costs money. Where have you been? Where's the water at, baby? And then all of a sudden she says, honey, you won't believe what happened to me at the well today. Say what? I met a man at the well who changed my life. See, a changed life seeks to change lives for Christ. So I ask you, has your life really been changed? Has your life really been changed? Because if we're not seeking to change lives for Christ, you need to go back to where you first met him and see 
if you need a new dose of Jesus. And that's for everybody here. If I point at you, I got three wiggling back at me. When you seek, that means you're trying to locate. That means you're trying to discover. That means you're trying to, to search for. You can't contain it because you want to proclaim it. Do you follow me? Say, yes. We tell the difference. The man at the well has made in our lives. We want to tell our family. We want to tell our friends. We want to tell our neighbors, our coworkers, those that we do life with. We want to go and we want to tell. And when people see the change in us, they become curious. And, and we use these opportunities to get them to come and see. Because the change began in you and me. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around the fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants, another harvest, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work. And now you will get to gather the harvest. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. See what happened here? A spiritual domino effect began. See, a domino effect is a series of similar or related events occurring as a direct or inevitable result of an initial event. So they all got to enjoy the fruits of labor, whether you were the one that planted the seeds or not. That initial event changed the life by the man at the well. Wow. <laughs> Imagine with all the people moving into our city from everywhere. You know what's amazing to me? I don't know if you guys do this, but I do. I've gotten a habit of when I drive around town, I look at people's license plates. I'm talking, it seems like half or more of them are from some other state. And I think, wow, they've moved to Tennessee. wonder why. I wonder what brought them here. And I think, we need to do our part to not only welcome them, we have the opportunity to keep this spiritual domino effect going and strike up conversations do what we can do to love on the people because apparently they weren't happy where they were at most of the time people I believe it's not just that they have a job change or a relocation that's a great thing 
But I think sometimes there's something that they're unhappy about in their life where they were and they want something better and they want something new. And you know what? I've got something that's eternal and you do too that are Christians. And so we have this awesome opportunity that you and I can get this spiritual domino effect going to where that all we got to do is go and tell and then they will come and see. And that's a wonderful opportunity. How many of you here are like me? I'm glad of my spiritual heritage. And I'm so glad that somebody told me about Jesus. What about you? Can you raise your hand and say, I'm so thankful for the one that that got me to Jesus. Wow. Because I'll just tell you right now, I don't think I would be alive and living. I I really don't. I think that the Lord is, is the God of of second chances and multiplied thousands of chances but I think you can wear out those chances if you're not careful and I'm so thankful that God has done that in my life and he's done it for those of you here that would have that testimony there are people no doubt right around us every day that are like this woman was at the well they're rejected they might be isolated they might be hurting and And like God's son changed this woman here and used her to bring hope to her entire village and then beyond the domino effect. That's the domino effect that God wants to do through our church in our community like never before. So would you make this this prayer your week? Make this your prayer this week. God, use me this week leading up to Easter to bring hope to somebody's soul. Would you please make that your prayer and your fasting? And God, use me to bring hope to someone's soul that needs hope, that's hurting, that's broken, that's pretty well just said, I'm just going to throw the towel in because nobody cares. Nobody understands my pain. Would you do that with me this week? Would you say, God, use me? to bring hope to another soul telling everyone about the man who changed our lives why is this so important to me why does evangelism temperature burn hot in my life and you all I've told you this story multiplied thousand times but you may be here and you've heard I had a, it's because of Frank a friend I grew up with Chen and I were doing youth ministry a long time ago and Frank and I were on the other side of the fence we were party animals and so for those of you that's heard this story, I hope you don't mind if I tell the ones that haven't, but where we lived at, Frank and his wife that I went to school with moved in down the road from us. And Frank was a big guy. He looked like the lead singer, uh, what's his name, in ZZ Top anyway. He looked like him, had that red beard, and, but he was a little bit taller than him. And uh, Billy, uh, whatever his name is, but anyway. But he'd be running down the road and had these big yellow headphones. And, man, I drove by him I, I, it multiplied times. And the Holy Spirit would nudge my heart. And I was doing youth ministry, and I always had an excuse. Oh, he's, you know, he t- always, Lord always impressed on my spirit and say, tell him how I've changed your life. I, I got to get home. I got I to drive the bus tonight to get the kids to church on Wednesday night. Or I got to get home. Shannon needs me at the house or something to do with the kids or we got to go somewhere with them. Or Always an excuse. And then my the opportunity that I was nudged when I began to judge my personal situation ran out because Frank took his life in the house that he was living in. I never got to tell him. 
how Jesus changed my life because I always made excuses. So I live with that every day and I know God's forgiven me. And I pray somehow in his moment before his life passed before his eyes that he was able to pray and seek God. I don't know, but don't let that happen to you like it did to me. A changed life will always seek to help change lives. A transformed heart will always seek to transform other hearts. So it goes back to our hearts, right? So the question I always say now, who will be in heaven because of me? That's a question. Forgive me. That's a question I always ask myself. Who will be in heaven because of me? And I own that, and I pray that you'll own that too. Because there's so many people that need Jesus. And they're right around us every day. We have the good news. Let's not be selfish with salvation. Let's let a domino effect and a power and anointing of God's Spirit start here today. So I challenge you. Do something. Don't procrastinate. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, we love you and we praise you and we honor you and we thank you for this day. You're such a good God. Forgive us when we fail you and and we get busy with life. And I pray and thank you so, so much for that, God. Today, Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for my salvation and may each one here that has salvation thank you for it. But God, as you've changed our hearts, you've forgiven our sins, you've put our name in your book, we have heaven as our home, we have the blessings of life, your favor is upon us and your face is shining upon us. God, may we not get selfish with that. God, use us for your glory. I pray, God, for every person that we can run into this week that we're not only going to run into them, we're going to go to them, God. pray, God, that we will pray that you will change their lives, God, that we're going to pray, God, use me to bring hope to another soul. How many of you here, as we continue praying, can lift your hand and say, there's somebody I need to go and tell about what God has done in my life. I need to bring them with me Easter. Would you just raise your hand right now all over the auditorium? Somebody you need to go and tell and say, you know what, I'm not just going to tell them about it. I'm going to bring them to Easter with me going to celebrate that life that Jesus he gave for each of us. Father right now for every hand that was raised and every soul that was thought about that needs you we pray God right now you begin to prepare their hearts begin to to till up the hardness of the heart God to receive the message that each one will take to them this week. Maybe you're here today and you came broken today because you're like that woman at the well. You feel isolated. You feel rejected. You're pain stricken and you just No, the Lord Jesus is knocking on your heart. He wants to change your life today, and you know it. Would you just lift your hand real high right where you're at? Just say, you know what? I need to ask Jesus into my heart for the first time. I need him in my soul. Lift your hand real high right now. Just shoot it up right now. Don't wait. Just say, I need Jesus in my heart today. Would you pray, and for those that would lift their hands and those that 
maybe couldn't have the courage to just pray with me as I lead them in a prayer of salvation. Father, right now, God, for those that may be online or in this beautiful auditorium, God, that's seeking you, God, may they pray to you and ask you in their heart. And as they ask you in their heart, may they say, Lord Jesus, as I invite you into my heart today, I need you. I need your salvation. I ask you, Lord, to take away the pain, the the sin, the hurts, the regrets, the fear, and the doubt, God, today. Forgive me of all these things. Fill my soul with your love, your grace, your faith, your hope, your salvation. I believe you gave your life for me. You died for me. You rose for me. I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior. Save me. My life's yours. This day forward. I just let him know. Say, Lord, I repent. That means I'm going to turn from the things I was doing. I'm going to live a life for you now. I'm going to be a part of a church family. I'm going to pray and, and I'm going to read your word. I'm going to seek community with other Christians. Thank you, God. Lord, we have the good news. May we go and we share it. May we not be selfish with it. And we pray this today and all of God's people say, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. I am so, so glad you are here today. Got just a few very important things. We're going to go into time of giving. And I want to say thank you for your faithful giving that we can continue reaching people to know God. That's why we exist as a church. And uh, so thank you for your faithful giving to be able to do that. There's multiple ways that you can give. Uh, You can give on the app. You can give on the kiosks out there. uh, You can give on our online. You can give tangibly as you leave from the ushers in the back of the auditorium. But thank you for doing that. Uh, and your faithful giving. You can prepare your hearts to do that. We'll pray over that in just a moment. If you gave your life to Christ, be sure to take a card out of the back of the seat and mark it and let us know that so we can follow up with you. Now, here's what I want to tell you. This next part's very important. If you know that you've given your life to Jesus Christ and you have not been buried in baptism, that means baptism means the word from the Greek word baptism means to dip under. It means fully submerged. That's how Jesus was baptized. So if you love Jesus you'll get baptized like Jesus did, dip under. So if you've given your life to Christ, why do you do that? You tell your story. You tell your story. You get to invite your family, your friends, and different ones to come and see where I personally received Jesus. Now I'm going public to show who I am living for, Jesus. So what I want to ask you to do, if that's you, I want to ask you to take a card out of the seat as well and mark on there you want to be baptized next Sunday morning. Be honored to do that at our 7 a.m. sunrise baptism service next Sunday. It's that important. It's that important. So that's your next step. All the other steps in Christ is wonderful, but if you've given your life to Christ, some people say, well, can I be baptized again? If you know that one time that, you know, that you maybe you got just baptized as a kid and it didn't mean anything, you just got wet because your friend did it, or maybe you went out in the world and you lived a long time and this would refresh you. We take communion more than once. There's nothing wrong with being baptized again. So if that's you or you want to be baptized with your wife or husband or kids, whatever, that's totally up to you. But we'll answer your questions. Put on the card, I want to be baptized, and we'll follow up with you and answer your questions this week. Drop that in as you leave 
today. Now, next is, if you're brand new here to Freedom Church today, thank you for coming. We love you. We're so thankful for however you found out about coming here. If you would, take a card out of the back of the seat, fill it out. Uh, the, the connection card is to the fullest as you feel comfortable with. Take it out the info desk. Give it to them. They're going to give you a gift and, our, and us to commemorate this day. We're thankful that you come here. And let me say this. I want to ask you to give us a three-peat. What's that mean? Be here three times before you make your decision where you want to be in church. And if you don't think this is a church for you, talk to us. We'll help you find one that is for you. So we'd be glad to do that. But other than that, right now, I've got it. And uh, so, but it, here's one thing. I'm, there's, there's a couple things I'm going to share with you after we take up the offering. So please don't leave. It's very, very important. And so uh, I'm going to share that with you. So I'm going to pray over the offering. Would you uh, bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we love you. We praise you and we honor you. And thank you, God, for this day. You are absolutely amazing. May we have a heart to really be busy this week, not so much caring about what's busyness in our lives. I know we have things to do, but God, may we be busy all the week leading up to Easter to bring someone with us, to engage them in the faith that we have through the local church and through what you did for us. Thank you for that. So right now, God, thank you for the opportunity that we give back financially. It's all yours anyway. You just ask us to bring tithes and offerings uh, back to you. And so we may collectively be good stewards of this and our church family to reach people to know you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Now, something very important we want you to do. Listen to me closely. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to get your friends to come with you. There's a couple of tables out here in the foyer. The stamps are already provided. There's cards already out there. How about you go out there and sign a card, take one. You can take the stamp. You can, you, can, you can take it and mail it yourself. Or if you fill it out out there, we'll mail it for you, inviting someone that you love to Easter. We're making it as easy as we can. There's all kinds of different cards. Stamps are already on them. All you got to do. If you don't even, uh, if you need help, our staff will be out there, whatever. This is a way for you to write somebody a personal note. Listen, people don't write personal notes anymore. It's either text or email. Are you with me? Henry cards are almost a thing of the past. This will mean the world to somebody that you love and you know.